Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's Mike Shope and the Bulldog. The Tampa Bay Rays, they're defunct. They, they don't exist anymore? They don't exist anymore. I, I just the Red Sox? Today, you should, we should make a call and let them know, but I just decided they're out. I would rather watch the like the, the guy, the, 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 paint, the painting guy. Who's the painting Bob guy? Bob Ross. I'd rather watch Bob Ross than watch my favorite baseball team play in Tampa. It's Mike Shope and the Bulldog. What a matchup. It is bracket season. What a matchup. Your favorite team playing a game in Tampa or Bob Ross painting a lake and a mountain. Give me the lake all day long. <laughs> On WGR Sports Radio 550. Every time I hear that back, I think again, due respect, how does Bulldog not place the name Bob Ross? Bob, I, I know it's a long time ago, mostly. Although those shows might still be on. He's been dead for many years. His name is like ubiquitous with with paint synonymous with painting. Just Bob Ross. But the painting guy is what Bulldog had. It's ha- happened to all of us. Happens to me a lot. I blank. I actually little inside baseball, the start of today's show, I was trying to think of a name, and I couldn't, and I ran like hell away from it. Uh, we've all been there in this in this business. Mike Shope here, Bulldog is off this week. Nice for him. I love working this week, even though like, my kids are home and it's just different. It's kind of like all a, sort of a quasi-holiday here, extending for a week, but there's so much to talk about. And I mean, come on, with the end of this NFL season, super good. Mike Giardi joins me now to do more of this here from the Boston Sports Journal. I'm just checking in on Mike's Twitter earlier, and oh, look at this. We're not alone in this, but we share an admiration for (laughs) Pop-Tarts, I I realize. The trophy's amazing, isn't it? It's fantastic. I mean, I'm jealous. Like, they said they're going to put two... Uh, actual Pop-Tarts on the top of it, so fantastic. The Pop-Tarts Bowl. You're not a frosted guy, though. No, I like the plain. Maybe my tastes have evolved, but boy, that's when I was a kid, man. Just give me the plain. Straight up, blueberry, <laughs> strawberry, I was good. You're a Pop-Tart purist, Mike, apparently. That's <laughs> yes, that's yes, where it I is. Am. This is the Pop-Tarts Bowl, by the way, coming up that uh, Mike and I are excited about. All right, Mike, well, you may or may not remember one of your several visits to our show before the season where we talked about Bill Belichick's future. Everybody has wanted for a long time to talk about that. And you said pretty much words to the effect of if this season happens, he'll be out, like just matter-of-factly. And I think, Mike, the way it sounds to me is that that is where we're headed. It certainly feels that way. You know, they're they're, um, a well-sourced reporter, Tom Curran, reported that the ownership had sort of made the decision after the loss in Germany to the Indianapolis Colts. And that kind of, I don't want to say walked it back, but it was like basically like it's tw- he used the, the Super Bowl. He said it was 28-3. to 3. You know, mm. I guess there's, there's always a chance of a comeback, but that's where uh, his sources were sort of telling him this was. And while the Patriots have sort of responded here over the last few weeks, they've won two of their last three, uh, it's still been a colossally disappointing season. And 
it sure feels like a 31 and 41 over his last 72 games as head coach of the Patriots. That were this any other coach, it'd be a no-brainer. He'd already be gone. But because it's Bill, maybe it's there. There's just that. I don't know, fear of getting rid of him because he might go win somewhere else or just the nostalgia of it that maybe gives him a chance. But I am I feel pretty certain that this is the end for him. Do you think there's an argument for keeping him with how the defense is respectable? You know, you're right. I agree. with, with When a coach has that record, it's sort of obvious that there's a change coming. But the quarterback stuff can mitigate that or make you question it, perhaps. Is that a good argument? Well, so, look, I, I mean, I think it's clear, um, and I've written this a number of times, including earlier in the season when people weren't quite ready to do it, that Mac's not the guy. And, you know, we can say there was a million reasons why they got there with Mac, but the fact of the matter is they are there. And, you know, it took them a long time to move off of Mac. You know, the, to Bailey Zappi, a guy who they caught back in August. You know, there was a stretch right. there uh, around cutdown day where they had one quarterback on the roster. Um but they're here, and I guess that could be, and I know some people have used that as an argument. Well, you know, is there a discussion there? Did, did Kraft say, you've got to play him, we've got to find out whether or not he is, in fact, the guy or not the guy, and now they have their answer? But by and large, it's just roster construction. He treats offense like, uh, I don't know. I mean, well, he still, let's put it this way. He still views the game in the three parts, in the, and yeah. they're equals. Nobody spends more money on special teams Although nobody spends more money on special teams, but I believe the Patriots are 31st in DVOA. That's a, the nerd stat in terms of special teams play. So you've invested all these resources in, in something that's very much, you know, not nearly the part of the game as it used to be. They continue to sort of take things away special teams-wise, the league that that is, and you're still terrible at it. So I don't know. I, I just you haven't seen a ton of development of some of those guys, especially on offense, and it just – Again, it's four and a half years. We're going back to the middle of Tom Brady's last season, which started off 8-0 but finished 4-5, and including a playoff loss. I uh, haven't won a playoff game since they won the Super Bowl five years ago. Like, it's <laughs> – there's, there's a lot of damning evidence against him. Yeah. Uh, hat tip to Aaron Schatz. The New England roots, the DVOA, uh, yeah. by the way. You know, now that you say that about special teams, I'm remembering that Belichick is the first person – who I remember hearing predict basically the end of the kickoff. And so even more curious to see New England spend like that, the way I hadn't realized that, but he sort of, he seemed to see it coming that at least kickoffs and kickoff returns would be sort of phased out. Yeah. And he's, I think they have seven strictly special teams players. And obviously that goes beyond just the punter kicker long snapper, but in terms of, there are guys on the active game day roster that that's all they do. They don't get defensive snaps. Chris Bohr, Brendan Schooler, Matthew Slater, those guys are strictly special teams only. And, okay, well, look, if you have an advantage there, if you're telling me, and they did recover a, a, a muff kick for a touchdown against Denver, mm-hmm. uh, I would say that was more about what Denver did than what, <laughs> me too. than what the Patriots did. But, like, if you're telling me that that gives you an advantage and that you're, you're consistently winning the battle there – and it's giving you a slight edge, okay, but they're not, and they haven't for three years now. So to continue to invest in it, again, as the league gets further and further away from it, just it speaks to a sort of an old-school way of thinking. And one of the words that I've heard thrown around by people inside the building about, you know, the potential future here is the word modernize has come up quite a bit. 
modernize the franchise, modernize the organization. And I ask you, can you modernize the organization when your coach is 71, going to be 72 next year? And look, he's still sharp. I'm not, I'm not doubting that part of it, but just in terms of the way he thinks about football, uh, especially offensive football and special teams, doesn't seem to jibe with the way the rest of the league has gone for a number of years now. Right. With Mike Giardi, it's so interesting, isn't it? Like, you get this once in a while in sports where it's like basically a legend and you want to see if he can adapt. And it's it's hard for me to settle on that he just like doesn't know what a good player looks like, right? I mean, sort of counterintuitive or something. There's cognitive dissonance in play when you yeah. think about like, how Tyquan Thornton is a draft pick. That's the thing that maybe traps him when it comes to Mac Jones is like, well, it's his, it's he's the guy picking the players. And there have been many curious to be nice draft picks over uh, recent years. Do you think, Mike, the, is is Belichick defiant? To you, like, is is he somebody who's nope? I'm good. This I'm right, and I guess maybe evidently because he's drafting the players he is and doing things the way he is. Um, is that a is that a fair word for him? Yeah, I think so. You know, there was a clip that that surfaced a number of years ago. I want to say like six or seven years ago, and it was Urban Meyer of all people mm-hmm. uh, talking about how in conversations with Bill that Bill told him he'd gotten to the point in his coaching career where he just wanted to coach with people that he liked and coach players that he liked, which is an interesting thing, which you can probably get away with when Tom Brady's at the height of his powers. And he was still at the height of his powers at 37, 38 when this conversation was being had. And you sort of look at some of the decisions that they've made. um, Like for instance, no, Nikhil Harry was a first round pick by in 2019. I don't even think he's in the league now or he was, he was kicking around on, a couple teams practice squads, but I'm not even sure he's there anymore. You know, four years removed from being a first round pick. And one of the things that you heard about uh, Nikhil was like, Oh, great, great kid. Just like an awesome kid. And he watched the tape. Like there was production there, but like he wasn't super fast. I didn't have great hands. And guess what? You kind of need at least one of those things. If you're going to make it in the league, especially as a first round pick, Um, you know, Julian Edelman, who didn't use uh, Nikhil's, name by name, but, but mentioned the idea, like, you know, you just know, you see guys on the field and like, especially when it comes to first round picks, high picks, you, you just, there's something that jumps out about them and it makes you say, Oh, I see what, why. And without using Nikhil's name, he was like, eh, there was nothing there. Mm-hmm. Like he just, he was just a guy, you know, built like an Adonis, but like couldn't play football. And, you know, it quickly proved to be true. And there's just a bunch of, of cases like that with the way that they have gone about their roster build, especially again on the offensive side that, that make you wonder, like, is he ever going to grasp it? You know, like some of the success they had, like he let Josh McDaniels kind of do his own thing. Like he would turn his back on the offense and sometimes just go talk to the defense because he had faith in, in Josh, but that relationship was almost 20 years old. Um, You know, this year, Bill, Bill O'Brien's got great experience, obviously, but they hadn't worked together since 2011. So I, I think it's, you know, he hasn't had that sort of freedom that, that McDaniels did in previous years. And then in between, last year was just super weird at mm-hmm. coordinator with Judge and Patricia, right? Like, just what are you doing? Um, that Nikhil Harry's a better example than Tyquan Thornton. They're both fair enough, but like Nikhil Harry's the last pick of the first round off a Super Bowl win and picked in the second round that year, A.J. Brown, Debo. Um, Metcalf was in the third round. Metcalf, like, Deontay yeah. Johnson. Oh, yeah. boy. 
That's... Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of guys that you can point to and just say, man, if he had just done that instead of this, which I know every team can do when you're talking about the draft, but, like, I don't know, physically those guys had talents that showed up that people could say, oh, my God, like, DK's 6'4", and is running a four three forty. Like, yeah. he doesn't have to run the full route tree. He can just go deep every play or run a you know deep in cut. And because of the physicality, he's going to be a productive player in the league. You know that that that's not something that was easy to project with McKeel. And you know, obviously, uh, I think he had about thirty catches here and before he he was sent tacking. But he couldn't run that three cone drill, Mike uh, Metcalf. He couldn't run that three cone <laughs> drill. Uh, might, might have cost him a first round status anyway. Probably. Mike Giardi with us, Boston Sports Journal. I'm Mike Shope. Bulldog is off this week. Are you into the idea that Zappy could be good? No. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll say this for him, and I think one of the reasons why. You know, I, I said that Mac was done after the Saints game. That was week five. I felt going into that after the loss to Dallas, that was the biggest game of his career. And he immediately throws an interception on the first drive at pick six. And, like, they don't score any points. And it was dreadful. The, the, the locker room had – they don't dislike him, but they they looked at him and, like, he's not it. Mm-hmm. And so I got guys in the locker room telling me, like, we know that he's not, like, he's not going to elevate and so they were kind of in at that mode, like anybody but Mac. And I think what you're seeing a little bit here with Zappy is that sort of, you know, sort of the interim coach, the boost you get. I think you're getting a boost here with Zappy. That said, I'll give him credit because I think there is, um, he's got a little gunslinger in him, mm-hmm. and he moves pretty well in the pocket. So he's not afraid to like. They, they, all of a sudden, they have a they've. We've got a lot more explosive plays over the last three weeks because Mac just wouldn't even throw those balls. Zappy's taking chances, and some of them have paid off. You know, he hit Devontae Parker on a couple back shoulder 50-50 balls against Denver, uh, you know, kind of stepped up and slid in the pocket and hit Pop Douglas for a 42-yarder where it was, you know, Pop made a great catch, but it was also like the ability to sort of create that play and keep his eyes downfield. And I don't know whether – you know, had Mac been better protected early in the year, then maybe he would have been able to, to do that. But I think he got beat up so badly that any time he saw color from an opposing uniform, the head went down. You know, he, he just he didn't see what was happening down the field. And Zappi doesn't have that PTSD right now. So right. Uh, he's been fair slinging it. And, I mean, he did it without Hunter Henry last week. Uh, well, not that Juju's been anything good for them, but Juju wasn't in the lineup either. So, like, he didn't have his full complement of guys and still was able to, to produce in a tough environment in Denver. Yeah, so two things for me. Like on Zappi, I want to I assume that a backup, especially one with like out any draft status, you know, any sort of status that would kind of guarantee him other chances in his career, would play like that. Like this is my shot. And I, I'm just not going to dump it off all the time because I'll never have a job in this league. I got I to gotta take my shots. And so this makes sense. Jones sort of baffled me in one way. Never seemed like the high the high ceiling guy, especially, you know, we we'd compare him with Allen and you know, it's just yeah. not even close. Yeah, but no yeah, but when he threw the pick in Germany late uh in the end zone and then there was a pick against the Giants, you'll probably remember as well over the middle. They were just like incredibly bad throws and decisions. Like, okay, well, ga- game manager isn't even it here cuz this guy's killing him. It's a great point, and I, I think I wrote it a number of times and said it on different stops. 
like for for a guy whose chief two skills coming out of Alabama were his accuracy and his intelligence for the game, he made more dumb throws for a quote unquote smart player than I can recall. Like just mind numbingly stupid decisions, your cross body from the right hash to the outside the numbers against on the opposite sideline against Dallas that got picked off, like things that like in a million years, if you know your flaws or you know your weaknesses and his weakness, one of them is obvious. He doesn't have uh, he probably has at best an average arm, but probably slightly below average. You can't do that. Like those are the kinds of throws that even Josh and Pat Mahomes or guys like that will attempt. And sometimes they don't go right. Well, those guys have howitzers. You've got a pea gun. What, you know, pea shooter. What, what are you doing? And it was consistent like that every week. There were throws where you just go, what, what, what was he doing? And, you know, internally it just <laughs> it created a lot of tension because, you know, I think and, – and Bill would say it, Bill O'Brien would say it, just like we've got to take care of the football. We're not, you know, this league is – the margins are so slim, even, you know, when you're a good team playing a bad team, that if you're going to do those kinds of things, you're not going to win. And that's a second guess here. You know, what if they'd gone to Zappy earlier? What would would they be a 500 team right now? Would they be like one game under 500 and still sort of in the mix for a playoff spot? I think that's. I think there are a lot of other problems that went beyond that. So I, I don't think that's the case. But it's certainly something that's been brought up here quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. The way I am, like I would want to, I would want to have seen Malik Cunningham, who's no longer with the Patriots. You know, kind of a curiosity out of Louisville. But, um, you know, in Buffalo, for all those years where the Bills missed, Mike, um, it's easy to say stuff like that. I've been here that long. Like, just put the – just shot uh, – what Wildcat, Miami, when yeah. they, they unleash the Wildcat offense, and you got nothing to lose, right? I mean, and a coach can really hit a home run with that if, if it goes right. But maybe not for Belichick, you know, probably seeing it as, as stooping to a certain new low level – of like gimmicky stuff. So at least, you know, we're going to, if we're going to lose, we're going to lose more traditionally. And I don't know if Cunningham is even good, but I know that the the Patriots sort of dabbled with him and I I sort of like the idea of him, but now I think he's with Baltimore. Yeah, he is. He's with Baltimore. And I actually talked to someone I know well in Baltimore and was like, "Uh, this dude can't throw very well. And I think that was sort Mm. of how they viewed him, viewed him here. And it was one of sort of the arguments I had with people like, you know what? Well, I got to give him a chance because they saw him have a good quarter against the Houston Texans in the first week of the preseason. <laughs> um, and look, we all remember what he did in college—a phenomenal college player. But it, it just—I don't know. You think he's got a long way to go as a passer? But right. I, I see your point there—that that's not something that Belichick would stoop to. And in fact, as I go over like my my twenty-something years of the memory banks, the only time I can really remember Belichick doing something completely outlandish offensively was that playoff game against Baltimore yes. here at Gillette Stadium when they were using the – they were messing with the linemen and who's eligible and who wasn't eligible, and they were, it was legal. But, like, that was break glass in case of emergency, and, and that was we're down two scores in a playoff game when we think we have a Super Bowl team. We need something, and that's what they went to, and it obviously led them back into the game, and, and they won that game. But it, it, to, you, to your point, like, larger point, those, those recollections of things like that are, are few and far between. Perhaps the is bitterest a word or the most bitter betting loss of my life. I oh. loved Baltimore that night, fourteen nothing. Like, oh, this is they because they they were the rare franchise that would actually win there, yeah, in the playoffs too, and just seemed like I had it. But I was I was with John Harbaugh. I'm like out by the numbers, screaming at the officials, like, come on, you got to put a stop to this. 
Um, we were sitting in the press box going like, you know, because you you're 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 not the sound on. You're you're watching the game live, and you're like, I don't I don't get it. I'm trying to like people are like, oh, what's the rule? Like, what's the rule? You're trying to figure out what's happening as it was happening in real time, and the you know, crowd's going bananas, and Harbaugh's losing his mind, and their players are losing their mind, and meanwhile the. Patriots are just kind of chuckling, like this is bulletproof, man. We're doing the right thing. Yeah, it, well, they they were uh, they were rewarded. Uh, Mike, before you go, here are the Bills making this late push. Everybody thinks they're dangerous and they need this win over New England. I mean, probably are the Patriots dangerous? Of course, they have a win over the Bills this year. Is there like a nothing to lose sort of vibe with New England? Maybe some confidence from the first meeting. How do you see it? Yeah, I would say all of those things. I would say there's confidence from the first meeting. I would say there is um, there is a, a strong rivalry here that obviously hasn't necessarily played out in terms of the Patriots dominated for 20 years and now the Bills have kind of dominated the last three or four. But I don't think either side likes losing to one another. And so for the Patriots in this season, it's 4-11 where there's nothing to play for except ruining your draft position at this point, which is what the fans wanted, you know, but mm-hmm. they don't care about in the building. Um, beating Buffalo would be you know, it came to their Super Bowl this year. I mean, they 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 would love to um, stick it in Sean's face, Josh's face, whatever, um, and, and and beat them and, and be the spoiler. And that's something they've talked about over the last three or four weeks, you know, embraced it when they were in Pittsburgh. Like, hey, let's keep this team down and let's keep them, you know, when they look back on their season and say, how did we not make the playoffs? They're going to look at us and say, well, how did we lose that game? And, you know, they, they played hard against the Chiefs. The first half was – a very competitive first half. Like there's, there's been yep. moments certainly where they feel, and now they just, they, they, they ended Russell Wilson's career in Denver. So yeah. there, there's definitely a, a point of, um, of trying to like, Hey, let's go up there and let's shut up the people at Orchard Park and let's walk out there with just us and, you know, and get it done. And, you know, they have some confidence certainly from the, from the way the meeting went here at Gillette Stadium. I was about to say that about Wilson, too, and even Trubisky maybe the week before. Like you, You're a defense, and they make a quarterback change the next week on the team you just played. You probably feel some satisfaction because Wilson is not coming out if they win. I mean, if they're still, they're, they're still yeah. in it, Denver, so he would be starting this week, I think, if, if they had won that game. Very good, Mike. This has been really nice. Uh, happy holidays to you, and enjoy your trip up. Same to you. Always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Mike. Mike Giardi, Boston Sports Journal. Bills and Patriots, Sunday at 1. How about that? 1. The last 1 o'clock game was the other New England game, which was in October. That's incredible. We'll see about next week. It's one thing we talked about yesterday. We still have to know what happens this week in terms of the schedule for Week 18, but right now every game on the schedule for Week 18 is listed as 1 o'clock Sunday. And... Several will not be 1 o'clock Sunday games. Two will move to Saturday. One will move to Sunday night. And I would think at least three others, maybe several more, would go to 4 o'clock. Sometimes that week 18, they put a big chunk of games in the 4 o'clock window. Depends on, like, they try to avoid having teams where one team needs to know how another did playing separately. Because you don't want to give, the league doesn't want to give that team an advantage. So just like when the Bills made the playoffs the first time to break the drought, they put Buffalo-Miami at four, and they put the Baltimore game at four. Like if, who was in if the Bills had lost? Was the was it the Ravens? 
So you put one of those games at 1 o'clock, it could change how you look at the 4 o'clock game. hope that made sense. Let's uh, talk some more. 803-0550 is the number. I've got playoff picture takes. I've got odds. And I want to talk about the MVP because it's been a really interesting year for that. I tweeted this morning about Allen's chances, and I got a pretty wide range of responses. So I want to look at that, too, and talk about that a little bit some more. We've got a couple hours here, just you and I, before Sabres pregame. Paul Hamilton will kick that off for us at 630. 803-0550 to call in. This is Mike Shope on WGR. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.